I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. Hey everybody, it's Micah and Josiah Keneally here. And we are super excited to let you know about an amazing opportunity called 2021 Young Adults Today Conference. It's happening March 5th and 6th virtually this year. This means that you and your teams can tune in from wherever you are. This conference is geared specifically for next generation leaders and their teams. Some of the guests helping us lead the way are Brad Jones from Passion Movement, Dr. Sammy Kim from Harvard University, Pastor Josh Schaldau from Evangel Church, Grant Skeldon from Q Ideas. There'll be breakout sessions, panels, times of connection, worship, and more. So register now at www.youngadults.today conference. Hope to see you there. Can't wait. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined with my husband and co-host, Josiah. Josiah, how you doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. If you can't see him, which you can't, he's dressed in all black, and he just looks like a ninja running around the house today. And our daughter is just getting a thrill out of that. I don't know why, but she sure is. We have a morning <laughs> jumping routine in our home where I go out to the three season porch and there's a sliding glass window. It's where we're recording right now. And Mike called me a ninja this morning and I always jump up and down to the ceiling to the floor, kind of like burpee style. And our daughter Aurora just gets big eyes. She loves it and she was pointing. And yeah. We're having fun today is what we're I'm saying. Having fun in the studio and out of the studio. But we also want to have fun with some of our amazing guests, some of our favorite authors who Definitely. are talking about probably one of my favorite topics that I really like to lean into um, and talk with young adults about and whether they're single, dating, married, engaged. For the listener, you can lean in today and you can learn something today that's going to be fun, that's going to impact you in whatever season you're in. So Josiah, who in the world do we have on the other side of this conversation? I will introduce their bio in just a second, but want to just take a second and greet Dave and Ashley Willis. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Hey guys. hey guys, it's good to see you yes. and you do look good in all black. Yes. So you're inspiring me to put on a ninja costume for my kids <laughs> to get home. <laughs> I'm getting to the age where when I do burpee jumps, it doesn't end as well. Everything creaks and cracks and my, my knees don't act right. So, so I, I don't know if I'll do that part, but I can, I can put the costume on. Yes. There you go. <laughs> well, Dave and Ashley Willis, thank you guys for joining us. These guys are parents of four awesome boys. So check that out. And the hosts of the very popular The Naked Marriage Podcast. They're part of the incredible team at Marriage Today and XO Marriage. They travel and speak with authors of numerous books, including The Naked Marriage, Raising Boys Who Respect Girls, and the soon-to-be-release uh-huh. coming next week at the time we air this episode. So you can pre-order your copies of the brand-new book, Naked and Healthy. And so guys, we just want to say welcome to the show. Before we dive in, can you just maybe kick off with your story of journey of life, marriage, faith, and leadership with us and our listener today? Absolutely. So Dave and I have been married almost 20 years. So this is our, our, Incredible. our 20 year anniversary is coming up in May. We can't believe it. It's, it's like flown by, but we are college sweethearts. So we met my first day of school and Dave's junior, first day of his junior year and uh, an acting class. And, and we got ended up getting married fairly quickly. I think we, you know, we got married 
the weekend after he graduated <laughs> and, uh, and the rest is history. We've got four awesome boys ranging in age from 15 to five. And so life is crazy, but it's awesome and we love it. And, um, and we just, we, we love to be able to do the work that we do with helping married couples all over the United States and even the world and, and just trying to encourage people to, um, to really, you know, be intentional about their marriage and to have God at the center of their marriage and to give people hope. I think so many times, you know, we, we live in a culture that says that why even get married? You know, there's so many people that, um, that really feel that way, even Christians. And they think, why would I ever get married? You know, my parents had a terrible marriage or, you know, I, I walked through a divorce with my family and it was just so tragic. I never want to put myself or anybody else through that, but we want to just offer people hope and knowing that, you know, there's no perfect marriage out there because there's no perfect human being, right. but we serve a perfect God and God designed marriage and it is good. And, uh, and so we try to inspire people, um, to, to strengthen their marriages. And we're so excited today to talk to people who, you know, aren't, get married and get them excited about the possibility of marriage. Amazing. And I just have to follow that up. David asked you like, which app did you meet on? I know it was like freshman, <laughs> junior year college. Yeah. Talk about that. You know, back when we met, um, it was a uh, horse and buggy. It, it was, like uh, <laughs> you know, there was stone tablets we would write on and send notes to each other. It, it was, it was a different time. Like, you know, the, the phones that we had back then, uh, they weren't they, smart. They were not smart at all. <laughs> this, this was this was back in the day where it was like if you had one of those old Nokia phones that couldn't even text or do any of that, it was just like it looked like a brick. Then you were it you was were, it was a brick. You were somebody <laughs> if you had one of those. But the, the dream of like any kind of interactive app, any of that, it was still a long ways off. So yes, you know we 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 met before Mark Zuckerberg even got to Harvard and started cooking True. up Facebook or anything like that. So. It was the olden days, but somehow she still looks the same. Like, I don't I understand do how, because I keep looking older and she looks the same. Not so, true. So it's, <laughs> it's getting to be almost creepy because now it looks like I'm dating my daughter and we're, you know, practically the same age. We so have I just never want people to know. Ever so. <laughs> even though she looks young, we're, we're still essentially the same generation. Oh my gosh. Timeless, right? Oh my gosh. I have love yeah. it. I love it. I call those the Zach Morris phones, like way back from Save yes. Valley. <laughs> I'm like, I that know is, I'm old and this has come around again. And it's the third time like, <laughs> this is a thing, whether it's friends or Save by the Bell. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, Dave and Ashley, we, we work with a lot of people and many of our listeners are single. Some are dating, engaged and married, mm -hmm. but I would just love to just pick your brain and hear from each of you. What encouragement do you have for the single person longing to be married? Like what hope do you want to offer them today? You want to go first? Yeah. Yeah. First, first of all, like singleness can be a gift from God sure. first off. So you're not incomplete in any way yeah. because you are single. And if you're looking for another person to somehow complete you and make you whole, then yeah. Then you're, then you're already looking into relationships with kind of the wrong mindset because Christ is the only one who can make us whole and complete. Mm -hmm. and, and once we find that wholeness in him, then we're ready when and if he has that spouse for us to find that other person who also has made themselves whole in Christ mm -hmm. so that we can come together. And, and, uh, but even if you never marry, you know, there, I, I think of the Apostle Paul. I think of, you know, we're, we're very pro-marriage, obviously, with what we do. But not to the point of making anyone feel like forced or pressured into thinking right. your life doesn't start until you're married, because singleness can be a gift. And there's a lot you can do as a single person, the freedom you have with your time. 
um, if you use that time and leverage it well, that can be incredibly beneficial to the kingdom and to your own personal growth, to your walk with Christ and all that. Now, once you are dating and once you're, you do want to marry, you're looking toward marriage and that's a good desire. That's a great desire. I would just say a couple things. Number one, um, you can't be inauthentic in an attempt to try to attract somebody else. You've got to be you, right? Yes. So, and if you'll be yourself, that authentic version of who Jesus made you to be, then he'll lead you to that person who's going to be drawn to the authentic version of you. But if you're trying to be somebody else, then you're entering into that covenant relationship, kind of playing a role instead of, instead of being you. So that's part of it. Number two, I'd say, don't, don't make compromises when it comes to sexual purity. You know, we live in a world that, that cheapens sex and it, um, it just tells us that even in Christian circles sometimes that, oh, well, I mean, if you're in a committed relationship, then, then go ahead and sleep with each other. And God's standard for sex is, is one that's meant exclusively for marriage. Um, and any, any time we're, we're using that gift outside of marriage, we're really creating baggage for ourselves and baggage for other people. Um, even like, even when we're doing it digitally, you know, I'm somebody that early in my life or my teenagers you know, into early adulthood, I had an on and off struggle with pornography that we talk a lot about on our podcast and in our, you know, books and different things. And even that can create such baggage. Um, and so that in itself is, 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 is a sexual sin, even though you're not physically with another person, just because what it's doing to your mind. And so continue to pursue Jesus, continue to grow in him, continue to, um, fight for sexual purity and don't make compromises along the way. And I guess that would be some of my big advice. That's yeah, that's, those are huge things. I want to add to something Dave said about being authentic. You know, we call our podcast, the naked marriage podcast, because it, it, it's a fun word. We love the word naked, you know, and it definitely gets your attention every time we're human beings. Right. But so you know, nervous. <laughs> we're nervous, yeah. right? I know exactly. It's like, I'm nervous to even say that word online. Like, are we allowed to say this? Hey, no, I know it's, it's got, it's God's word, right? It is. So sex, by the way, that's a, that's a, that's a good one too. But yes, I think we use it so much. People are afraid we're going to like be naked on these zoom interviews or something. And, and so, so no, don't worry people. I know you're, you're only listening to this. We're fully clothed. Right. Uh, you know, so don't worry about that. But we don't let that's, it go too far. <laughs> so, but the nakedness, not to interrupt, it's not just physical. Right. We call it naked marriage because... Because it's, it's about, you know, being naked and unashamed. The word naked marriage or the term comes from Genesis with Adam and Eve, the very first married couple. I think people, you know, we, we know as Christians, when you read the Bible, we know the very first people God created were Adam and Eve, but we often forget they were the very first married couple. And, you know, they, God created them and he blessed them and they were both naked and unashamed because they were naked physically, which is awesome, but they were also naked spiritually, mm. mentally, emotionally. They had no secrets from each other. Right. And, and for one moment in time, they had this beautiful union between themselves and God. And then we know the fall happened and sin happened and they believed the lies of the serpent. And, you know, that's still going on today. I and mean, we don't have necessarily a serpent coming up and actually talking to us, but there is an enemy that would love nothing more than to divide marriages yeah. and divide yeah. the beautiful union that God created. And so, you know, we talk about this concept of, of being naked and unashamed on our podcast all the time, because I have seen this epidemic of married couples living these like parallel lives, but never really getting naked with each other. You know, yes, they're, they're sleeping together and they'd say, oh, we're, we're naked, you know, we're getting naked. But really it's a, a great marriage is about so much more than that. It's about, you know, really bearing all towards each mm-hmm. other and saying like, this is me and this is me and all my flaws, the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
And, and I, you know, I want to show this to you, but I also want to know you in the same way and to be fully known and fully loved as we are. And, you know, when you go as a single person into a relationship and you start getting to know the person and, um, and, and you kind of reach this point where you're finding that you have to be somebody else. And then you eventually maybe end up still marrying that person because you want to make it work in your head. You're like, this should work. You know, this is who I should marry. And this is who I should be. Mm-hmm. When you go into a marriage like that, you're setting yourself up for a lot of issues right out of the gate. And so to the single people watching, just be yourself, you know, and I know when you're dating, I mean, there's, there's phases of dating. And, and of course, don't like just completely say everything on the first date, all your, you know, weird habits or whatever it is, but you gradually, as you're getting to know someone, you, you, you show that part of yourself. I mean, I will never forget, like, I'm, I'm going to just tell a story about when we were dating about you being extremely authentic. Okay. Okay. So like, I, I don't know say, what she's going to say. I know. So. I know. So like, and, and we're just, we're just real. So like on our, I want to say like our third date we're sitting and we would just, we were in college. And so we would stay up really late talking about everything. And I remember out of nowhere, I noticed that Dave was doing something weird with his toes. And he's like, and I, I, he caught me looking at them and I was like, what's going on there? This and is so gross. It's so, you might no, wanna... no, no, this, I'm going to say the, the first thing's not gross. The second thing's kind of gross. But oh no. Gosh. Anyway, so the first thing. You can edit this out. <laughs> no, everything no, is gone real here. This is awesome to be. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. No, and some people can relate to this. So he's doing, he's like moving his toes and he's like, oh, you noticed my toes. He goes, did you know I have toe powers? And I was like, <laughs> toe powers, what? You know, and I'm thinking this is kind of weird. And he basically, his third toe or four, is it your fourth toe? Yeah. He can move it in amazing ways. And I can like, move my, it's amazing. One toe okay? on each foot. I can move like a finger and it's, it's like, the creepiest thing. Like he could use them as hands, okay? (laughs) And so anyway, he shows me that. And then like probably like the fifth date or maybe sixth date, (laughs) I look at his feet again. He takes off, he didn't even, it was like I wasn't in the room. He takes off his shoes, takes off his socks. And I think we're like in your, in your like frat house, uh, what do they call it? Like the general room or something. So you were just making yourself comfortable. We're sitting on the, in the frat house, like den area. And he takes off his shoes, takes off his socks. And all of a sudden he starts, taking the sock and rubbing it in between his toes. can't believe she's telling this. And I was like, what are you doing there? You know? And he's like, oh, I'm flossing my feet. And I was like, flossing <laughs> your feet? What? Because I had, I explained to her that um, at that time, I had athlete's foot. And it was oh, like. Oh, yeah, it's never good. It never good. And it itched so badly that, like, that, that's all I could do to, like, bring any kind of relief. And it was about the grossest thing you've ever seen. It's not that. Ever. But I was so comfortable with her. I didn't even, he didn't think, about, think it. about the fact that she was there and I was doing this gross thing with my 20 feet. years later, she still picks you. I am still, <laughs> we're still together. No, I, but if, like, if I that didn't chase her off. I don't know what would have. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, you know, you were comfortable. You show me one of your gross habits. It, it, anyway, so like Dave, it, he's always very authentic. And one thing I remember when we were dating that just really made me even more attracted to Dave was you know, him being willing to be himself. And I would always look at him and I'd say, I feel like you have, you know, honest eyes and, and he'd be willing to talk about things. And even in our marriage, you know, even when things did come up where we weren't being totally honest with each other, just that willingness to come forth with it. And I'm telling you, it's scary being honest, um, whether you're dating someone or you're married, because, you know, our human nature tells us to really cover up right. anything that doesn't seem pleasing or that might, you know, not be taken the right way. But God blesses that honesty because, I'm telling you, the enemy really, really gets a foothold when we keep things 
um, you know, from not only God and just being honest with ourselves about what's going on in our life, but really when we're married, when we keep things from our spouse. And so it's really important to get naked and, um, and just be honest. I drop from that, you guys, <clears throat> honesty, transparency, vulnerability, and just health. And with that, like, I think that's our heart for the listener, whether they're wanting to start a new relationship mm-hmm. off on the right foot or strengthening, you know, strengthen an existing marriage, mm-hmm. because um, I, I love what Timothy Keller says in the meaning of marriage. He says that the Bible begins with a marriage and you already referenced it, Adam yes. and Mm-hmm. And then it ends with a, a marriage and revelation of, of Christ in the church. Mm-hmm. And so I just think that marriage is God's idea and there are building blocks along the way. And I think this applies to the person who wants to put it in the back pocket and pray over it and apply it to their future marriage, as well as the person who's just engaged or they're just yeah. starting out in marriage together. But what would you guys say maybe are some of the building blocks for a healthy Christ-centered marriage with Christ at the center and just a commitment to each other where divorce isn't an option and just health is pursued in all ways. Like what are some of those building blocks that make up a healthy marriage? Yeah. And, and none of those building blocks are our idea. Like, you know, everything that we say is really it. People say, what's the best marriage book? And I'd love to say, oh, it's the naked marriage or, you know, it's not one of our, but it's, it's not the best marriage book is the Bible. And that's where all of these concepts come from. And, you know, we can add kind of stories and commentary and things to it, but really it's all goes back to scripture. And so, so in a nutshell, and the Bible has a lot to say about marriage and a lot to say about relationships, because really the marriage verses in the Bible aren't just the ones that have the word marriage in it. Every word of the Bible is applicable to your marriage. And when you read it that way, um, that like, I'm living out my faith in this most intimate human relationship. And so everything scripture has to say to me is something that applies to how I live out this, this, uh, this relationship. But then there are the passages that, that are so like pertinent specifically to relationship yes. and marriage. I, you know, I love the, the first Corinthians 13 love passage. And I think that when, you know, you get past, we've heard that as Christians so many times that sometimes the words just sort of bounce off our ears because we hear it at every wedding and everything. But if you look at that just as a roadmap of like, this is what love is supposed to be. What does this look like in marriage? And that, that beginning in verse four and where it says, you know, love is patient, love is kind and goes on from there. If we'll do those things, I'm, I'm telling you, love is patient. If you want a good marriage, be patient yeah. with your spouse. Their timing's different than yours. Love is kind. If you want a good marriage, be nice to each other. I mean, this stuff is so basic. But it's like, this is the stuff that couples lose sight of Absolutely. that makes the big difference. A few verses later, it says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Man, if you want a good marriage, don't keep score. Right. You know, be quick to forgive. And it goes, it goes on from there. Just if we'll just live that out, um, that and of course, everything else that the Bible says, you know, the Bible says, carry each other's burdens. That's, that's a great verse to apply mm-hmm. to marriage. There's so many that if we'll just live out scripture and, and live it out within the context of our marriage, um, your marriage is going to be going to be great. And then if there's just one word I would add to that, it's the word communication, like oh, just huge. communicate about everything. Like let your spouse know because they're not a mind reader. They, they don't know just based on your grunts or the tone of your voice or your eye roll or whatever else, mm-hmm. what you're, what you're thinking, you've got to use your words and tell them, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. And, you know, if you'll talk to each other about everything, it'll make a huge difference. 
Absolutely. And I think even those who are, who are maybe seriously dating or engaged, this is a great time to start this practice, you know, really talking to each other, like something's irking you and you're like, this thing is going to drive me crazy. Your spouse isn't automatically going to know just because you look the other way every time they crunch or whatever it is. Like, you know, you got to just tell them, you know, and I'm looking at Dave, Dave hates crunching. So like, right. He, he, I know he hates crunching. We work it out. I try not to, to crunch ice around. <laughs> I just around put my it. earbuds in, and it's yeah, fine. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, you don't take it as a as as a personal attack because it's not. It's just preferences. But when you are you know engaged to someone and eventually married to someone, they're gonna have like right now. You probably think they're perfect, and you're like, oh, we're so in love, and we're never gonna have a fight. But I'm telling you, the longer you're with someone, and then when you're you know when you get married, and then you're learning how to live in the same house and how you have different habits and how you clean things and how or not clean things, right? And you can get really annoyed with each other. So it's really important just out of the gate to just talk about things. But I also want to challenge every couple who's watching this, whether you're engaged married, dating, whatever, make prayer a huge part of your relationship because it's amazing what God does in prayer. Because first of all, I mean, we should be praying individually as well, but when you pray with your spouse, it's, it's a, it's a way to come together like nothing else because you're really humbling yourselves before the Lord, but you're also humbling yourselves towards one another and God softens your heart and keeps your heart soft. And there's been so many, you know, stressful days where I'm so grateful that we always end the day with prayer and we will pray throughout the day too, but we always end the day with prayer. And I feel like, you know, you go to bed with soft hearts and hearts that are focused on the right things that are focused on God, that are focused on the good in your life that he's brought to you. And, uh, in, in any relationship, especially, you know, as you get to know someone, if it's going to, to go somewhere, you want to make sure prayer is a regular part of that because it, it's a habit you want to start early and, but it's never too late to start either, you know, and it doesn't have to be flowery language that you don't talk to, you know, you don't use normally just talk <laughs> right. to, to your dad, you know, you're, you're talking to God who created you and who brought you this special person into your life. And, and so you're not trying to impress your spouse. You don't need to be nervous. Just, just talk to him. And, uh, it, it's a really, really important part of a marriage. Ashley, I think that's so good. It's such a great reminder. Like even to begin to pray for your future spouse in yes. your singleness, Huge. when you don't totally know them, like pray that you become the person that you need to become. So when your paths do cross, you are, you're, you're available, you're ready. They're on your radar. You're on theirs. And I think prayer is such a huge component that many young adults kind of think of as a last resort. I guess I can pray about it. Wow. Yeah, you can pray about it. We should start there. And uh, we know that we should be patient. We should be kind. We should have some good communication. We should be praying. Uh, but I would also ask a question, like, how do people in marriages overcome challenges in their lives that stem from maybe some decisions they made in singleness, or maybe they're currently in singleness now? Like, what are some of those things that... Um, how do we overcome some of those challenges if we're married from past, whatever happened, whatever good, bad, ugly, you know? So yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Well, everybody has baggage, first yeah. of all. I mean, if you've, if you've lived on earth for more than a couple minutes, you know, you've got some kind of baggage because the world's a broken place. Yeah. And even if you grew up in a healthy family and even if, um, even if you've made for the most part, healthy decisions through your life, there's still baggage just by, mm-hmm. Uh, life's disappointments, life's regrets um, by people who've let you down, um, by mindsets that you were taught that you don't even realize necessarily were, were unhealthy necessarily. I think in, in Christian circles, um, a lot of people enter into marriage with a lot of sexual baggage, even if they themselves are virgins. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because they were raised perhaps with kind of a mindset about like sex being something that's dirty, something it's sure. not talked about. And then it's um, having to overcome that is a whole form of baggage that doesn't get talked about a lot, which is why we do talk about that a lot on yeah. the Naked Marriage podcast and elsewhere. But when you've made poor decisions, you know, your, yourself, you know, I mean, I already alluded to the fact that I, I had baggage from, um, you know, from pornography, you know, I had baggage from, you know, re regrets that, that, that I had. And um, I think that every person in marriage, coming into marriage, whatever path led you there, you know, it's something you've got to first and foremost, be honest with, with God about taking mm -hmm. it to, he already knows, but take it to him and say, Lord, I need the healing that only you can bring to really make my heart whole from the things that I've experienced, things that have been done to me, things that I have done that were outside of your will, that you can really bring wholeness to me and then help me to be honest with, with my spouse about that. Um, when you're in a, a season of singleness, though, I would just, just first of all, if you, if you have a carrying regret and shame, know that shame is never from God. Conviction is from God. And the Holy Spirit will bring conviction to get us to turn back to him because he loves us. Yeah. But shame is the devil's business. So if you're feeling like you're living in shame, that's not God punishing you. That's, that's a mindset that he wants to help you break out of and yes. escape. Jesus already took a beating, a literal beating to forgive you of your sins. So you beating yourself up for the same sin is really pride because it's telling Jesus that what he did wasn't enough for you. Dang. And we've got to be willing to say, Lord, you know, you, you're enough. And I received the forgiveness that only you can give. But I also don't want to grieve you and I don't want to create future baggage for myself. Yeah. So the decisions I'm making today are impacting, you know, the way my heart is going to be tomorrow. And, and I want to make decisions that are going to honor you, honor myself, honor my future spouse. And so just be mindful of the fact that Jesus is ready to forgive your whole past. But in, in the present, he wants you to walk with him and be mindful of your decisions. I'm talking too Absolutely. much, sweetie. Why don't you talk? No, no. I mean, it's so it's so true. I think even it, whether you're single, engaged, or married, it's really important to to reach out for help. I know, and I'll share just a real quick part of my testimony. And I talk about this a lot because it's so widespread. But I I actually had a, a real problem with anxiety even before we got married. I didn't really recognize it because I told myself, "Well, I just tend to be in you know a little tightly wound, or I'm or I'm just you know I'm just worried. I just tend to be more concerned about things than most people. You know, we make excuses." But after we got married, I fell into just full-blown anxiety attacks. And then I had a depression as well. And I was just a mess. I mean, I could barely function through the day. Um, I did, you know, what I absolutely had to do, but I just really wanted to go crawl in my bed and just cry. And I did cry a lot. And I'd wake up Dave in the middle of the night and just ask for prayer. And he was so sweet to always pray with me and reassure me um, because there's some crazy thoughts that just riddle your mind. And, um, you know, what I would say to the person who's dealing with that or any kind of mental illness of uh, any kind is good. be quick to get counseling. Like Christian counseling was a game changer for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I was married when I finally realized that I needed help, that I couldn't do it on my own. Um, and, and Dave kind of helped me to get the strength to do that. And so, you know, there's probably, even if you're not married, talk to a trusted friend, um, a friend that, you know, loves you, loves God and is, and is for you um, and, and just tell them what's been going on and then go take that next step and call a counselor. Um, you know, if you're married, we actually have the marriage coaches at marriage today, XO marriage, and you can go to xomarriage.com slash coaches to make an appointment with them virtually or in person if you're in the DFW area in Texas. 
But, um, you know, there's all kinds of online. I know a lot of us, you know, we're, we, we can't get out and, and make an appointment necessarily these days, but there's all kinds of ways to get help. And I know for me, I, w- I was in counseling for probably three or four years, you know, and I had several different counselors because we moved in the middle of that. And sometimes, you know, you'll go to counseling and you're like, this person isn't quite getting me. And that's very normal. That doesn't mean counseling doesn't work. It just means you're with the wrong counselor. And so I would encourage you to not, not go to counseling, not, don't stop going because you're like, oh, I'm not really feeling it with this counselor. Find another counselor and try again because there is just, there's so much, I think, peace that comes from that because I know for me, I gained new perspectives for my counselor. Yeah. There were verses that I, you know, I just wasn't even thinking of that they would tell me that I would really focus my mind on because, you know, just like in the word, it talks about renewing our mind when it comes to anxiety and depression yeah. or any mental illness that's what we had to do daily. It's a daily, you know, choosing to allow God to renew our mind with his word and, and through prayer. And so um, I just want to encourage, you know, don't, don't think that you're alone or that you're the only one. Again, that's the enemy's game is isolation, but definitely get help and uh, do it. You know, if you are, you know, single or dating or engaged, do it now. And also if you're engaged, be honest with your uh, future spouse about that, because you need to bring them into the picture. This is the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with. They need to know what's going on. Right. That's so good. Incredible. We believe that counseling is a gift from God Mm -hmm. and it is so good. I've benefited uh, Mm -hmm. so much just from Christian counseling, like you just said, Ashley. And we also believe that mental health matters. We're mm-hmm. holistic beings. Yes. And part of holistic ministry is Jesus fed people food mm-hmm. because they have physical needs. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus talks often throughout scripture about like the apostle Paul writes that, like you said, we need to renew daily mm-hmm. our, our minds. And, and I love the idea that God's thoughts are not our thoughts his thoughts are higher. And so we get to actually come into alignment to allow our thoughts to be congruent with God's word. And our thoughts are such Mm -hmm. a powerful force. And I'm, I'm talking even deeper than something that's good. Like positive thinking is good. It's Mm -hmm. a good thing. It's a gift from God as well. And even a layer deeper than that is God thinking. Yes higher thoughts. And, um, so I would just echo everything you said about that, that mental health matters, that emotional and physical health, spiritual health. And I would just ask you guys this, that, you know, our heart in bringing you guys on the show is to help marriages that are in the future, start off strong Mm -hmm. to help build Christ-centered, strong marriages that last a lifetime. And there's storms that come along the way, there's turbulence and some people are in the thick of it right now. And so I would just ask for those who want to maybe strengthen an existing marriage as well as it applies to future marriages as well. But what are some of the misconceptions that you guys are seeing or potential pitfalls that um, couples fall into maybe in their early years of marriage or plateauing into patterns of unhealth? What would you say there? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, before I answer your question, if you if you're listening and you are wanting to start strong in marriage and you're already in a relationship or engaged, we actually just um, launched some pre-marriage resources. One, there's a free podcast that's called the Pre-Marriage Podcast. And no way, I didn't even yeah, know that. Yeah, 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 it's it's new. So it's brand new, and so you can and you can also go to the site premarriage.com, and we've got a site just just for helping you start strong. Yes. Let's go. Start strong. Come on. 
I'm telling you, you guys are, you guys are on the, you're on the, the cutting edge because so many of the mistakes that couples make that create a lot of baggage could have been prevented by just how they started, you know, by yes. the conversations they were having at the beginning. So um, there's a lot of wisdom in, in making the decisions early on to yeah. put yourself in a position of health. But to answer your question, like what are some of the, the pitfalls that we see? You know, there are a lot, um, you know, just to throw one out there. I think that, that in our world, like we're conditioned to treat our feelings as if our feelings are our God, like mm -hmm. whatever our feelings wow. are saying, then that's, that's what we do. And we, we pursue, we, we, yeah, we do. We just, we, we pursue wanting to feel a certain way at all costs uh, as if our feelings are like more important than, than God himself. And then, and we, we base the health of our faith. We base the health of our relationships on how we're feeling. And sometimes our feelings are just plain wrong. I mean, the Bible says that the heart's deceitful above all things. It's kind of like feelings are like, you know, can be like my taste buds were when we got, we got COVID a few months ago and I couldn't taste anything, like literally anything. And there was nothing at all wrong with the food. I could have said, oh, this food's terrible. Or this food's bland. No, the food, there was nothing wrong with it. It was like the way that I was processing it. And sometimes our feelings are out of whack like that too. So in our relationships and marriage in particular, every relationship, every marriage is going to hit patches where your feelings are different, you know, where it's, it might be a struggle. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're not committed to each other. It doesn't mean that you don't love each other, but the first time couples get to one of those, those patches where all of a sudden things feel different or things are hard and they believe these myths and these fairy tales that, well, if I married the right person, it would never be yeah. hard. It would never take work. And it would just naturally, we'd feel like, you know, we're in a, in a fairy tale all the time and that's not real life. And then they end up leaving and they think they convince themselves they need a fresh start with somebody new. And what they really needed was a restart with one another. Wow. Right. And, and so yeah. that's just one thing I'd say is like prepare in advance to know you're going to have, you're going to have all different kinds of feelings in marriage, but love isn't a feeling. It's a commitment. And if you hold on to that commitment, that your feelings will almost always catch up. Absolutely. I think another one is, and this is so common today is people will get married but they'll keep everything separate. I mean, it's just his and hers all the way. And down to the point of, of thinking like, oh, this problem is just my problem. I don't need to tell him about it. And that's, you know, that's where we get that disconnection. And, you know, you hear people say that we're just not on the same page or, you know, he never talks to me or she won't talk to me or, or she never wants to have sex. And I'm thinking, well, when was the last time you guys actually had a conversation? You know, I mean, like there's, there's a lot more that goes into to intimacy than just physical intimacy. And that connection, a lot of it is just from these separations that so many people make when it comes to bank accounts, when it comes to what goes on at your workplaces, um, Facebook, like having these secret lives, it just, it grows and grows and grows. And, and you see two people, you know, living in the same house, but just miles away from each other. And then you start getting those doubts. And, and again, the enemy loves having a heyday with this because, you know, we're all about our, the individual these days. And, and that is, I mean, of course we're individuals when we marry, we're not, you know, losing our individuality. And I love how Dave always says this, that God calls us to unity, but he doesn't call us to uniformity in marriage. You know, you're not going to be the same person that would probably drive you even crazier if you married, you know, someone just like you. But, you know, we're, we're going to have differences and things, but we need, and we, and we have our individuality, but we need to do more together than we are doing separately because then we don't hold things against each other. Like I'll use the bank account for an example. I know there's some very 
rare circumstances where that is absolutely necessary in, in certain business kind of decisions. But most of the time, and we've there's research behind this. I mean, we have our friend Shanti Feldhahn, her and her husband have a, a new book out about money and kind of what it does in, in dividing up couples. But it's, you know, it, if it's not, when it's all coming from the same pot, you're not just doing this, this game of, of, of who is making more or, or making less or who needs to pay for what. And when we counsel with couples who have this divided this way, it's, I mean, it's almost like they're practicing for divorce. It's really, um, wow. it constantly just puts them up against each other. And uh, I mean, my own parents, like I've talked to my parents about this. My mom was a stay-at-home mom for most of my childhood. She's now a realtor. And, but my dad, this is so wild to me. My dad would put money into my mom's account, like an allowance, which really, and my dad is such a gracious man. He never like held it over her head or anything, even though I know couples where that is a thing. And that, I'm just going to say right out of the bat, that's horrible. You're not their parent. Don't give them an allowance. Terrible. But um, my mom, you know, she would always have to go to my dad and, and ask. And I just thought it was so bizarre, even though my dad never, again, he wasn't weird about it. But these days now she's a realtor, makes her own money and they still have these separate accounts. And she's like, you pay this bill. I pay this bill. Oh, I need a little bit. I need $200 to make since I'm paying this bill this month. And it's just the weirdest conversation. And I have told them, and I, I speak freely about this and they know that, but I'm always like, mom and dad, like, isn't this more complicated? Like what purpose is this serving? You know? Right. And I've seen them have fights over it. So I would just tell engaged couples, like, unless there is just a, an extremely specific reason that you have to have separate accounts, do everything you can to have the same account, because when you, when you have those separations, it leads to other things that you're like, this is mine. And we really put, you know, kind of that, that stake down, like, this is mine. This is how I do it. And, um, and we tell ourselves, you know, that our way is better and it just causes a lot of fights. And so, and finances is literally, it's one of the leading causes of divorce. So get yourself, you know, set yourself off yeah. on the right foot there and, and just realize it's all God's anyway, and it's not worth fighting right. over. Right. I think that's so good. Well, we love the concept of marriage. Josiah and I are actually marriage mentors. We're not coaches or therapists or psychologists or psychiatrists by any means, but we love to coach young adults into, into their first couple of years of marriage. And I said, we don't want you just to plan for your wedding day. Exactly. We want you to plan for a lifetime together so in a strong, solid marriage. And one thing that our, our marriage mentors had said to us, they, they kind of forewarned us. They're like, be mindful. We had a three month engagement. That's all that we wanted. And, <laughs> and yeah, me too. I was like, no more than three months. Anybody who's like two years. I'm like, I know, yeah, yeah, no, that's no, hard. No. <laughs> yep. So they talked about this concept of delayed stress. It's um, real. Delayed stress from like every single change from the moment of you, whether it be sharing a bed, moving um, houses. Yeah, sharing a bathroom, sharing a, a living space, moving into your new house, planning a wedding, going on your honeymoon. All those different things cause this form of delayed stress, which can, you know, it feels like this huge, you know, tsunami coming at you as a couple. And I felt like that was an opportunity for Josiah and I to lean into that delayed stress instead of giving the enemy an inch where he would take a mile. We were forewarned before that. We're like, okay, what are we experiencing here? And why do we feel this like extreme, not, I don't want to say anxiety, but this overwhelming sensation of everything is brand new. And that is overwhelming. And that totally. can just feel like everything around you like oh my gosh I miss singleness I miss sleeping in my own bed where no one's hogging the covers I miss you know <laughs> there's certain things you yeah. begin to miss about singleness because you're not communicating you're not on the same page or or whatever that is and some of the people that we've marriage mentored are 
I don't know, in their early twenties and they are light years ahead of like some of the people that we've marriage mentored that are maybe 29, 30. Mm -hmm. And we've unfortunately seen this in the Christian world and the non-Christian world is maybe not starting out their marriage as strong as they could have or should have, or really experiencing maybe delayed stress, maybe the lies of the enemy, maybe insecurities, but also they come to this conclusion. And Andy Stanley talks about this in some of his podcasts. Um, and you know what? The woman gets this great idea. You know what I think? I think a baby is going to fix all of our problems. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And that, and a baby is a wonderful blessing. Don't totally, get me wrong. Totally. But yeah. to lure your spouse in the bedroom, to think that that's the answer to your problems, to get a baby out of the deal is not why we do what we do. <laughs> right. No, no, no. You know? And so, yeah, so we've seen that. So when we talk to our people that we're, you know, visiting with, we just bring in all these different dynamics of expressing like, hey, singleness is a gift, marriage is a gift. So good. If both of you are the same person, one of you is unnecessary. Our pastor would say <laughs> right. that. He's like, if you're the yeah. same person, then one of you is unnecessary. Like, come <laughs> so on, good. like that's pretty boring, you know? Exactly. And then talking about finances and trying to get your house in order as so good. two married people hopefully before children if you can do that and plan yes. that well um, but for the people who maybe are parents listening maybe married or maybe want to be parents what do you have for them in regards to advice what would your best parenting advice be if you could each leave the listener with one golden nugget in that world what would you say oh my goodness i honestly my best parenting advice is also marriage advice and that is to not put your marriage on the back burner when you have kids. Wow. And the way that God designed the family, it's God first, then it's marriage, and then your children. Right. And the funny thing about it, it feels counterintuitive because you're like, you know, when you have a baby, it's just all hands on deck all the time. And then you add in multiple children and you're like, oh my gosh, how in the world am I going to have time to even look at my spouse romantically? You know, yeah. it's like, we're just all trying to get stuff done. But it's so important to prioritize your marriage because really the best gift you could give your children is a happy marriage, is a marriage that's thriving, is two parents who love each other, is two parents who work through things. And, you know, and that's something that in our house, I mean, we, again, we have a 15 year old, a 13 year old, a nine year old and a five year old. And there's times where they don't like it when mom and dad have to go on a date because they want to play tickle torture with dad. But, you know, Dave will say, listen, I'm going to play tickle torture later. Mom and I need to go to dinner together, just the two of us. So your big brothers are going to watch you tonight. We're just now in that phase, which is amazing when you have multiple kids and the older ones can watch the younger ones. But before that, years ago, we just get a sitter. It sometimes took us going seven sitters deep on the list. And we look for the YMCA family nights out, you know, where we let them watch our, our kids for five bucks a kid and they feed them pizza and watch them for a couple of hours. We'd be like, that's our date night. But you know, you do whatever you can to make it a priority because what we found is when we didn't, for, for us, it's weekly. For somebody else, it might be twice a month or once a month. I mean, whatever it is, just make it regular. But we found that when we don't do that, like when we're too busy and we're not making that a priority, we really do have, you know, those little arguments more or we just feel more stress. But when we can go out for a couple of hours and actually look at each other talk about our hopes and dreams and, you know, we come back better parents and in our house too, when our kids, you know, when we, when we go to bed, we also have that little time together, just the two of us. And it could be for 30 minutes, you know, of just truly talking and our kids will be like, um, you know, we, we put them to bed maybe 30 minutes earlier than they would like. And we're like, it's mommy, daddy time. And I think it's important as parents for us to tell the kids, you know, mom and dad love each other. We want to be around each other and, and just letting your kids know why you're doing what you're doing and say, you know, mom and dad, we want to spend time together because we, we love being married and, 
you know, we want to, we want to make that relationship, you know, we want to pour into that relationship. Yes. So good. <laughs> so good. That All is right. amazing. We just became parents nine months ago tomorrow mm -hmm. at the time of recording this episode. We have a nine month old daughter, Aurora, and just love her so much. And so we kind of ask that just even for ourselves. And right. that's something that we're really trying to grow in and, and learn about real time. Yes. And something that I just wanted to mention because um, marriage is like one of the most major life events. Everyone would, would agree. I think another is becoming a parent or having a child. Yeah. Another would be like job or career change. And I stumbled across something by the American Institute of Stress. It's called the Holmes, H-O-L-M-E-S, Stress Inventory. And basically, this is like a, a scale that they use in psychology and in the medical field to measure stress. Mm -hmm. And what they found is there's like 43 different life events ranging from even the death of a spouse is rated the highest mm -hmm. uh, down to even like a violation of a traffic law, like getting a speeding ticket would be a minor, but still stressful events. It with is. 11 mm -hmm. points. And what they say is that um, they're able to predict burnout mm -hmm. based on if you have a score for multiple year over year. So I'm going to start taking this annually. And I just want to share it as maybe a resource for the listener of like, just Google it, stress.org, the American Institute of Stress, the Homes um, Life Stress Inventory. And like, if you have back-to-back -back year over year where you're rated um, above 150 points, mm -hmm. your risk of burnout is actually like 75% higher. And they use this to predict burnout, not only for ministers or physicians, but just people in general, because sometimes life throws a stressful events and there's eustress, eustress, and then there's distress, dis stress. And like eustress is good, but your body still processes it as stress, mm -hmm. fight or flight. And mm -hmm. then distress can also be very bad, like mm -hmm. negative. And so I just think that, I don't know why, but I felt like the Holy Spirit just yeah. wanted me to just share that, that if you are feeling delayed stress from just having a baby mm -hmm. or just changing jobs or starting a new ministry. And you're a few months in and you're like, I'm loving this, but I'm feeling overwhelmed or we're a few months into marriage and we're happy, but we're just like dealing with it. I think that that is totally normal and even medically like to be expected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Knowing um, how to process that. Yeah. Is, helpfully. That's the helpful part. Yeah. yeah. Discovering that. Yeah. Of yeah. self-awareness. And so Dave and Ashley, like one of the things we love to do is to talk about five in five and we throw five rapid fire questions in five minutes but before we do um i just want to ask you would you be willing to talk about your newest book it's called it's coming out like february 21st correct 16th isn't it um i believe it is the 16th okay uh, it's, like, it's, it's around there it's I, around that time i think it's <laughs> i think it's like the 16th it's but hey it's we're all close, right? Yes. It's all, it's all in, the, in there somewhere. Right. So naked and healthy. This is like your latest book. Yes. Go there. Like, tell us about it. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's just based on the concept that God wants us to be healthy individually and healthy in, in our marriage. And so there are three main components of health. It's mental health, spiritual health, physical health. 
And wow. if each of those three are strong, they're like three legs on a three-legged table. You know, if any one of those is missing or weak, the table's wobbly. And mm -hmm. But when those are strong, then you can really, you know, mm -hmm. have a solid foundation for everything God wants to do in and through your life. And we talk about how to lean on each other in moments of weakness in those seasons where one of you might be, you know, weak physically or mentally or spiritually, how you can lean on each other and how really Christ wow. carries this in our weaknesses wow. through it all. But it's, it's a biblical roadmap for how to, how to have health in all those areas, because that's part of the full and abundant life that God has for us. It's yeah. not a, it's not in like a, you know, just a superficial way of like, you know, how to get abs. Cause I am <laughs> not the guy to tell you that I'm a little squishy, <laughs> But it's, it's more, you know, it's, it's more how to, how to live that full life so that you can have, you know, the energy and the focus to do that all, all God has called you to do. Um, and it's, it's a fun book. It's practical. We share a lot of our own stories because we've had ups and ups and downs in that whole health journey yeah. in all three of those areas. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I hope it's helpful to people. Absolutely. Yeah, we share a lot of um, funny stories like, and this is a follow-up to our Naked Marriage book. And so if somebody is wanting to pick these up, you're going to get even more out of it if you read The Naked Marriage first, sure. because it builds upon that message of, of being vulnerable and, and being open and transparent and honest with each other, but then like adding health into the mix. And, you know, we say it's, it's all about being whole and holy mm -hmm. and that God calls us to, to a whole and holy life. And uh, so, yeah, we're excited about it. So you can go to nakedandhealthy.com. And if you order it there, pre-order it there, then we'll send you a signed one. And yeah. all the proceeds from this book, just like all of our books, it all goes back to the ministry. It all goes back to Exo Marriage, which is a 501c3 Christian nonprofit ministry. So whenever you, you buy any of these resources or go to any of the live events, you're actually partnering with us in helping create resources that are helping other couples and pointing them into a closer walk with the Lord and with right. each other. So that's amazing. And we're going to put all the information in our show notes. For if sure. you're listening, we'll have all those links in there and those pre-orders. If you guys want to hop on in on that, but you guys, do you want to take our new relationship to the next level? I won't say the word naked. I'll say, um, authentic, authentic <laughs> level. Um, because we've reached the part where we love to just dive in deep with you guys um, just five and five. That means five thoughts in five minutes. Are you up for the challenge? Got it. Let's sure. go. Sure. Let's, All right. It. Let's do it. Okay. Question number one. If you guys could describe each other in three words, how or what words would you use? Let me go first. Sure. Okay. I would say strategic. I would say hilarious. And I would say um, awesome. Hmm. It's hard to talk. To encapsulate a lot of words, yeah. My three would be, dang, she's hot. No, <laughs> not really. But she is, but that's, she's a lot more than that. Um, I would say, uh, gosh, I, I would say creative. She's the, just an amazing creative force. And I would say loving the way that she just kind of like loves our kids and me and the Lord. Like that's really the heart of our home. Um, and, and I would say beautiful, but it's not just an external beauty, like really her, she is of course, obviously beautiful externally, but her heart's so beautiful. And then she has a way of just making things around her beautiful. And so those would be three. <laughs> you gave descriptions with it too. I love it. Bonus points. Amazing. <laughs> and one of the things Micah pointed out to me early in marriage is 
to be holistic, healthy people, mm -hmm. she said, like, Josiah, we need hobbies and we need friends. So would you guys each maybe share one of your favorite hobbies as well as one of your best friends? Sure. You want to go first? Yeah, sure. And I mean, we, we've got the, we've, we work to be best friends with each other, yeah. which I think is part of, uh, part of, you know, marriage, but you're right. You do need other friends, other couple mm -hmm. friends and individual friends too. So hobbies, um, you know, one of the things that I do is I, I go jogging. Like I'm not good at it. Um, I'm not fast, but it's, I like being outside and it, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's one of the hobbies. I've got a few random ones, but that's one. Yes. And with, with friends, um, you know, we've got, we've got the benefit of like having friends in our small group, but then, um, the, you know, real, one of the, the couples that we work with Brent and Stephanie Evans are really They're close friends. friends and it's, it's a benefit to be able to like work and then also get to do life in friendship with people. Yeah. And so that they would be kind of one that I would point out. Absolutely. Hobby wise. Um, I, I haven't been able to do it as much, but it is one of my hobbies is dancing. Um, I love it for exercise, but I also grew up dancing. Like I took dance lessons from the time I was two and, um, I just love it and I need to do more of it. I need to like get back in my Zumba classes. Yeah. Um, and as far as friends, I mean, I would say Britt and Stephanie too. We also Israel and Holly, really those three couples, we get together once a month, we have a dinner together and it's been so fun. Cause we all, all have kids and busy jobs, but we make that a, a point every month to get together. And it's really fun. I absolutely love that. All right. Question number three, here's the curveball. If you could ask Josiah and myself one question, what would that be? Maybe you have one for each of us, however you want to do it. Yes. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Gosh, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. Like, yeah. I would say, like, what do you wish that, because I feel like, like, I'm, I'm already kind of, I'm 42, and I feel like I'm already kind of getting to the age where, um, you know, I used to just feel like I naturally totally get and connect with what 25-year-olds are, are thinking. But the, the older I get to realize I'm getting more disconnected. And so what do you wish that like older folks, like my age and even way we're older, not, we're not older folks, yeah, not, yeah. But, you know, from, you know, 40 to a hundred or whatever really knew about the, the needs and desires and thoughts and vision of, of your generation. Yep. That's cool. For sure. I think that what comes to mind is a passion of mine. That's been life-changing for me is mentors. And I, I believe that like Anytime you're one or more stages ahead of people who are other people, they might be younger, they might not be, but you have then something to offer, especially mm -hmm. in the heavenly realms, especially like spiritual fathers and mothers and the idea of mentorship. And what I see is an older generation that is available with time, but not always, they might not have been mentored. They might not have been discipled, mm -hmm. so they don't feel qualified. Mm -hmm. and maybe we overestimate their comfortability or qualifications with mentorship. And then the younger generation is like starving for it, but intimidated to ask over mm -hmm. half the people are probably, or, or half yeah. might be introverts. And so I think this idea of mentorship is life changing, but I think we need to be willing if we're older to seek out the mentor, like, or the, the protege, like Jesus mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. And if we seek out younger protégés, and younger protégés seek out spiritual mothers and fathers as mentors, twice as many people will be mentored. Right. But I think that's a missing link in faith, in church, and in spiritual family right now that, that I wish that we could, you know, work together more on. 
right? And I would just say in addition to that, with mentoring comes accountability. And I feel there's so many young adults that are desiring accountability, accountability to read their Bible together, accountability to do life together, accountability to remain pure, accountability to remain healthy, like in all those different ways, like they are starving for truth and they are in a desperate need of wanting somebody to believe in them. And I think the generations above, like I would just encourage, ask questions. Don't come at them with information about their generation. They're already in it. They're living it. And there could be a misconception along the way. And like power lines are all broken down when in reality, we want to put the poles back up and we want to draw them to the heart of Christ. And you do that through asking questions, through maybe sharing your own personal story, your own hurts, your own hurdles and hangups, but point that back to Christ. I think the generations above sometimes focus on 80% of the bad things in life and 20% of what God did. But a testimony should be 20% of maybe my past life without Christ, but 80% of what God has done. And he can do the same for you. So, I mean, to kind of piggyback off what Josiah said, I think that is a potential missing link to really understand the importance of how those things come together and accountability, like they're not answering to anybody else and whether they want to or not, or we're willing to admit it or not, at least what the people we come across love to talk about themselves across the table. And then they lean into you and they're like, so well, what true. about you? And you build that trust along the way. And that's when the mentorship and the discipleship begin to happen. So I would just say, don't be afraid to lean into a group of people that you don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. you just get to know them. So that's what I would say. Great question. Yeah. Back to you guys. Um, would you be willing to share, this is question four or five, maybe one mistake that you made and maybe what God taught you through the process? Goodness. Oh my gosh. Um, well, I mean, I, I think along the lines of the mentorship thing, I, I, I feel like there's times we've actually talked about this where, where we have been, you know, I feel like it, it, I call it like a mentor sandwich kind of like where you have someone who's mentoring you and then you're mentoring someone else. And I, there's been times where I've done really well with that. And there's been times where I haven't. And when I go out of my way and use, like, I feel like some of these apps and like Marco Polo, or I don't know if you, if you guys are familiar with that, but they, they make, they make reaching out to someone who maybe isn't physically near you that you can't actually go have coffee with that you've mentored in the past. It, like being able to reach out that way, it makes it so much better. Cause you're actually, you know, it's kind of like FaceTime, but it's recorded on your time. When you have kids, sometimes you can't even find a quiet moment, True. but um, I have, you know, I felt really bad about losing touch with some people that I was mentoring at different times. And, you know, I check up texts and I was like, gosh, this isn't really doing it. And I feel like I dropped the ball here, but I discovered Marco Polo. We were kind of late in the game. And I, when I go out of my way to, to touch base with them and they come back to me and then we eventually have a conversation. It's, it's just, it's so life-giving to everyone involved, you know, cause even if you're the one pouring into someone else, I feel like you get back so much more. Like that's just how God works. And so God just taught me just the value of that. Like whenever I've lost sight of that, you know, I feel convicted. I feel like, okay, you know, are you in that sandwich? Like, are you learning from someone? Are you pouring into someone? And when I kind of realign with that, it's just, it makes life so much richer. And I feel like too, you make, you make better decisions because you, you're thinking along those, those lines, you know, what, what you're teaching someone. That's good. Yeah. Like I've, I've made so many mistakes. It's hard to pick just one, but 
Um, to pick just one that might be like helpful. I feel like there was a season when I, um, I was, I opened myself up to way too much stress by not having boundaries in place. You know, mm -hmm. I was just being too available to too many things, too many people, um, and just running at a pace that wasn't sustainable. And I'm doing that for so long that it like actually affected my health. And, um, and so I had to kind of learn the hard way that, you know, you have to, you have to find a rhythm that is sustainable and healthy. And God isn't impressed by us trying to run at a sprint yeah. all the time. Um, but we have to be able to, to learn to rest in him in addition to work hard, you know, but work hard when you're working, but then rest and enjoy life and, and have boundaries in place where you can do those things. Yeah. It's so good. I think it's a great reminder for every one of our listeners to have those healthy boundaries, however, and wherever you're leading. Here's the last and final thought from you guys. Question number five, if you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders, one thing, what would you leave them with today? Just one thing. One thing. You know, I would say the the work that you're doing um, is among the most life-changing work on earth. But most of the people that you're ministering, even though you're changing their lives in a way that they won't even fully comprehend until years down the road, you're not going to see the results of it always in real time. True. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it, even in terms of gratitude, like, you know, I didn't have the mindset to, to show gratitude and honor it the way that I should have back then for the people who were changing my life. And now, you know, 20 years later or more later, I look back and I, I'm so grateful for their impact um, that I wasn't even aware at the time how they were changing my life. And so when you're in the grind of, of kind of pouring out and mentoring and being present, with young adults know that you're changing their lives, even if they don't realize it at the time. And even if you can't immediately see the fruit, you're planting seeds right now yes. that are going to grow into a, a harvest that you can't imagine. And they can't imagine years later. So stay, stay faithful with it. That's good. That's exactly what I would say, you know, stay faithful. We actually started out um, in, in youth ministry and eventually kind of like dabbled in college ministry a little bit, kind of with some of our trips to passion. I don't know if you guys are familiar with like the passion. Yes. yes and, um, that was, yeah. It, it's so, I, I just love it. And I remember, and this is when we were volunteers before Dave was officially a pastor, but those are some of the sweetest years. Like I, you know, we didn't really necessarily say, Oh, when we first get married, we're going to, you know, get into youth ministry college ministry, but I'm so glad we did. And so I would also add to what Dave said and just relish this time. It's a sweet time. And, um, you know, you are making such an impact and it's so cool. Now we're, you know, 20 years later, we did that for probably the first four years of our marriage, even had our babies. I mean, we take our babies with us on youth trips and go to passion with, you know, babies and stuff. And, um, it was just so, it's such a cool time. And now seeing kind of the fruit, like kind of blossom, so to speak, it's, it's really cool to see because we're connected with a lot of these on Instagram and Facebook, a lot of the people that we were ministering to back then. And it's just so neat to see where God has brought them. And, it, you know, there's been ups and downs, certainly like we all have, but it's really cool um, to know that you are planting those seeds and just keep that eternal perspective. That's good. Wow. Dave and Ashley, I just want to say thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I've had a blast with this conversation with you guys and I know Micah has as well. Yeah. It's been so fun. So thank you guys for your time. No, thank, thank you, you guys, guys for having Keep us. Keep up the great work you're doing. Yes. For sure. And if you're listening and you want to find out more about Dave and Ashley Willis, the Naked Marriage Podcast, as well as their newest book that you can pre-order, 
naked and healthy. Just connect with us at youngadults.today. The website, we'll link it to the show notes. Mm -hmm. And until next time, this is Micah and Josiah signing off. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.